hallelujah to your name. And we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, put those hands together. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is worthy. Isn't the Lord worthy? I want everybody in this house, just lift up your hands, one, two, both of your hands one time and just say, Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I worship you in my heart and my soul cries out. Lord, because you've done so much for me. Hallelujah. You're worthy. Lord, you are worthy. Hallelujah. You're worthy of more than I give you. That's, that, that's, that's something that we need to understand that we're, he's much more worthy than what we can give him. But we just try to give God our best. We get, try to give him our best. But even when we give him our best, he's worthy of more than that. But see, God, then at that point, God looks on our heart. He says, that's all you can give. <laughs> I wish I had help here. He, he looks on your heart and he says, I know that's all she can give. I know that's all he can give. And God blesses us according to our hearts. Even when we give him our best and it's not, even not enough. But yet we praise God continuously. In everything we give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. I pray that each of you are blessed on this morning. I praise God for seeing each and every one of you. I thank God for those who are with us in the sanctuary, for those who are watching us virtually. May God's blessings be upon you and your home and, and all of the people who are attached to you. I pray an Obed-Edom blessing on you, that everything that you touch and everything that is associated with you is blessed and that your blessings follow you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody might be shifting. I sense that somebody might be shifting or somebody might be moving in this place. But I want to remind you that goodness and mercy follow you wherever, hallelujah, wherever you go. I might not have a new job, but I'm taking goodness and mercy with me. I might move into a new apartment, but I'm taking goodness and mercy with me. I might be moving to a new relationship, I wish I had it, but I'm taking goodness and mercy with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody point at somebody and say, they're with me. They're with me, they're with me, they're with me, they're with me. Everywhere I go, goodness and mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're with me, everywhere I go. You'll follow me all the days of my life. Somebody give God some praise in here. Hallelujah. 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 And I think just every once in a while, every once in a while while you're on your path, I think God calls his goodness and mercy just to tap you on the shoulder. Just to remind you, you're not by yourself. I wish I had some help in here. You're not alone in this walk. You're not receiving this news by yourself. When they give you bad news, I got it too. And I want you to know that goodness and mercy are with you in the hospital room. Goodness and mercy are with you in the doctor's office. Goodness and mercy are with you in your soul. Goodness and mercy are with you in your back. You ain't no wild 
believe by myself, but goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody give God some praise. Somebody's not finished giving God some praise. That's all right. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. God is worthy. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Hallelujah. God is worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah, he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's alright to give God some rest. When you think of the goodness of Jesus. When you think of all that is done for you. Hallelujah. Sometimes your soul cries out. Hallelujah. dare not come in God's house and not have an encounter with God. Oh, I wish I had help here. I dare not come in his house and have not have an encounter with him. Hallelujah, but his spirit is in this place. Oh, I dare if somebody needs something from God, I just dare you to lift up that hand right now. God is moving in this place. Hallelujah, Lord, we acknowledge your presence and right now, whatever we stand in the need of, Lord, we're calling on you. We're leaning on you. We're depending on you. Lord, to meet us at the very point of our need. And Lord, it is so in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to the word of the Lord. If you'll follow us to Luke, the 18th chapter. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. Again, that's St. Luke, the 18th chapter. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. And you might just want to put a marker in Acts 12 and 5. We'll be looking at that a little bit later. But again, for our reading at this morning, at this time, we'll be starting 
with Luke chapter 18, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. And the word of the Lord says in Luke 18 and 1, from the English Standard Version, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them. Somebody say speedily. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I want to give a little context to this because when this woman says adversary, sometimes we translate that and we start this whole hater discussion. And this is really not what is intended here. When it talks about an adversary, she's talking about someone who is actively working against her. More than, like because, more than likely because she is a widow and the fact that it does not discuss her having any male children who could have helped her or who could have given her some credibility, she has to fight for her rights by herself. And at that time, you know, that was difficult as a woman and a widow without a male to validate her, without someone, a male to speak on her behalf. So what we believe here is that this adversary of whom she speaks is someone who is trying to infringe upon her rights more than likely her, the rights that she has to certain property. And because she doesn't have a male to validate, that, that validate her, neither a husband or a son, then oftentimes these widows were taken advantage of. Their property was taken. Their property was, was mishandled or passed on to someone else. And the widow had very little recourse as a woman to do anything about it. So understanding that she has little recourse legally to get what she needs, she then goes to the judge on her own, on her own and tries to get justice. She's attempting to receive justice because she's not in a position legally to really restrain her adversary from taking advantage of her. So she begins to plead after this judge. And it reminds us that in this story, in this parable that Jesus is giving, this is a story that Jesus is telling to make a point. He tells us what the point is. He tells us in verse one, I'm telling you this parable for the emphasis of you understanding that men ought to always pray and never give up, never lose heart, never become dissuaded from their course of praying. Don't allow someone else to discourage you to the point that you stop praying to God for that which he has already told you is going to happen in your life. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't stop praying. So, 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 the, so the beginning and the end of what Jesus is trying to relate in this story is simply that he wants them to understand that you all, first of all, you ought to always pray. You ought to continuously be in a posture of praying. 
But then while you're praying, don't allow anybody to come along and discourage you from praying. And not just anyone, don't allow circumstances to dissuade you from praying. And then a third thing, not only people and circumstances, don't allow the fact that you have not yet received what you asked for to dissuade you to continue to pray. You haven't gotten it yet. Let me say yet. You haven't received it yet. It has not arrived yet. The circumstance hasn't changed yet. But let me give you another yet. My God has never failed me yet. That's what that's what y'all saying to me. That's what you taught me. That's what you put in my heart. So that means that even though I have not yet received it, I need to keep on praying. You don't see it, but keep praying. You don't see it. You don't you don't perceive it. You don't even believe that it's coming in your direction, but keep on praying. So when he, the first thing, the first objective that he's trying to, to impart unto the people is that you ought to always pray. When I say always pray, that means you ought to be in constant communication with God. You ought to take every moment you can to pray. Every moment that you can to pray. I don't mean just cut out, cut out uh, 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. I, I, I do not believe that's what Jesus was trying to relate to them when he said you ought to always pray. When he says always pray, I think you should continuously be in a posture of having a conversation with God. Oh, I, I'm talking about even right now, you ought to be saying, Lord, pray that the pastor delivers the word that I, I need to hear. You, you ought to be praying on your way home. Lord, you bless me with mercies as, as I travel to my home. When you get home, Lord, thank you for allowing me to arrive at my home safely. And Lord, continue to pour your blessings on my house. When, sometimes when I'm walking, when I'm driving down the road and I see people on the side of the road, Lord, bless them and touch them and make sure that no one is hurt and there is no danger coming to the house. And Lord, you help them to resolve that situation and bless their finances so that that car, that, that impediment that is keeping them back will be fixed. When we say always pray, we ought to always be in a constant conversation with God. And when you always pray, you know what that does? It also prevents you from saying things that you shouldn't say. When you're, when you're always praying. Uh, 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 when you're always praying. I, I don't have time to, to cuss you out because I'm always praying. I don't have time to plot my revenge against you for, for what you did to me because I, I'm always, I'm always praying. I, I don't have time to engage in gossip because, baby, I'm always, I'm always praying. And, and, and get this, I don't even have time to be offended by what other people say. Come on with me. Because I'm always praying. I believe one of the Clark sisters sang the song, said, you need to be prayed up. And when, when, you, when you're prayed up, uh, some things that come against you, they don't even rise to the level of hurting you when, when you're prayed up. You hear it, but you're not worried. Uh, come on with me now. You, you, you hear it, but it doesn't affect you in some way. Like they say, you don't feel some kind of way about it because you are prayed up. That doesn't mean your ears don't perceive them, but it means it does not touch your heart. You don't allow it to trouble or worry you. You just keep on walking. You just keep on going because you are praying 
up. Even sometimes when I, when I would walk or run in the morning, there's some, na- there's some dogs in our neighborhood, and, and, they, and they, they do a little yapping. And it's almost by the pitch of their yapping, I know whether or not I need to be concerned about this. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I don't need to, that, 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 that's a small dog. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to be worried. I hear it, but I'm not concerned. So what I'm saying is that when we get in a posture of praying where we're always praying, then there are things, little yapping that we hear in the background of our lives, but it doesn't concern us. We don't worry about it because we are prayed up. Point at your neighbor and say, you need to be prayed up. I'm always praying. I'm always talking to God. When I'm trying to figure things out and situations in my head, I, I, I'm praying. And, and, and I remember one time we were in Chattanooga, I believe, and it was Sister Sunshine. Some of you all remember her. She came up and she grabbed my brother and me by the hand, and she was talking to us. And, and while she was talking, my brother and I, we were looking at each other, and we were looking at her, and then all of a sudden, she looked up, peeked up at us, and said, sons, close your eyes, I'm praying for you. <laughs> didn't even realize, it sounded like she was having a conversation. I didn't, I didn't know what, we didn't know what was going on, but she was letting us know that she was praying for us, and her conversation, it kind of moved in from just a conversation and, and a discussion into her praying on our behalf. And when I began to think about it, that's how grandma was. Grandma, she'd be talking to you, but all of a sudden that talking would somehow devolve into prayer. And as I began to look back on my interactions, I, I don't know if I had any interactions with grandma that didn't end in prayer. Somewhere along the line, she was going to put her hand on my back or she was going to say or she was going to have me pray with her or she would tell me what she's praying with me about. But it seems like all of our interactions at some degree ended with prayer because why? Because she was always, always praying. Men ought to always pray and not lose heart and not be discouraged by people, by circumstances, or even by not receiving what you ask for. We need to continue to pray. But now it doesn't say pray, but it says pray but not lose heart. Just because you don't think you've received it, and let me say think, just because you think you have not received it or you think that God has not answered should not discourage you from praying. Just because you think that God has not answered doesn't mean you shouldn't stop praying. Because sometimes in the middle of us praying, God answers, but the answer doesn't come in the form of what we think it should be. Sometimes the answer comes, get this, it doesn't look like what we expected. It doesn't look like what we expected. Often using this example, David. You know, even Samuel. Samuel was, was waiting to pour the oil on one of, one of Jesse's good-looking sons. They were tall and austere and handsome. And, and they, they, they had that kingly swag. They had that swag about them. You know, they made him, oh, yeah, he, he, he. Samuel was like, yeah, that, that must be the one. But, but, but the oil didn't flow. And he said, like, hold on, he, he's tall, dark, and handsome. He just... He looks like he got that swag. I like the, the depth of his voice, and I like the way he puts his clothes together. That has to be the one, but the oil wouldn't flow for him. So when they bring David in, I know Samuel himself was thinking, hold on. He don't, he don't look like the king. 
he don't, he don't have that kingly swag. He don't walk like the king. He looks a little dirty and smells like sheep and dung. And I, he, don't, he don't smell like the king. So I, I, I don't see how, how this could be the king. But Samuel didn't recognize what was in David. But the oil did. <laughs> the, the oil recognized it. So, so, so while Samuel was questioning whether or not this is the one because it doesn't look like what I was expecting, the oil verified what was inside of David and it began to flow. And Samuel said, this is the one because the oil is flowing in his direction because there's something in him and I didn't see it because he didn't look like what I expected. What I prayed for came in a form that I was not expecting. I often share with you the story of that job that I thought was perfect for me. I thought it was going to work out for me. I prayed for it. I thought I got confirmation on it. And, and then I went in and realized that I didn't get it. And, and, I, and, and I was upset. I was frustrated. I, I, I thought that I didn't receive what I prayed for. But later on, got confirmation. When that, all of those who received the job, that job was dissolved in less than a year, and they had to find new jobs. I had to say, Lord, thank you. You answered my prayer. It just didn't look like what I was expecting. So that taught me a lesson that because then when another opportunity came along, it was more pay and less responsibilities. It, it, I wish you were here. It, it didn't look like what I was expecting, but you know what I learned from that? I still need to keep on praying. When, 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 when it seems like I've been rejected, when it seems like what the, the, I've received the opposite of what I prayed for, sometimes God is sending a message in my direction. He's sending me a word. He's sending me an answer. But I just didn't recognize it because it didn't look like what I thought it would. Regardless of what the outcome seems, I challenge you to keep on praying. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, keep on praying. I want to say this to you. Don't let your eyes stop you from praying. Let's get that. Don't, don't allow your senses to trick you into stop praying. Because see, what happens is we'll, we'll look and we'll look and we'll look. And all of us, I don't know, some of us, is, it's, it's a certain number. But, but in our minds, there's a certain amount of time that if it doesn't happen, then we think it's not going to happen. I wish I had some realistic, real people in here. You pray for it, but, but oh, it didn't happen then, and it didn't happen then, and it didn't happen in this season, and it didn't happen in that year, and it didn't happen at that time. So it must not be happening. But what we must understand at all times is God doesn't operate on our time. God doesn't operate on our time. You know, we came along and invented clocks and watches. God, God doesn't wear a watch. Come on. God's not looking at a clock. God's sense of time doesn't operate like ours because while we're looking at one piece and we're looking at what we can see ahead, God sees the complete picture. We're, we're, we're driving in the dark with, with our headlights and our, our vision doesn't go beyond what the headlights show us, but God sees the complete picture. And God knows where everything fits in. In your story, uh, I say God knows where everything fits in in your story. God knows which characters to bring in at the right time. 
that can assist you to getting to where he wants you to go. Because, see, we don't yet, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't understand where we're going. We don't even understand where God is taking us or the, what we shall be. But God sees that. God sees that. We think we have a vision of what it will look like, but God already knows in advance where he's taking us. He knows what the end already looks like. So he knows when to put the right pieces in and when to take them out. And see, the problem is we don't see the end and we try to insert situations and things and people into our lives and into our story that do not fit because we do not see what the end looks like. Some of you see that you, you've had children and you see them and so your children get to a certain age and you see them dating certain people and, 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 and that person that they started dating doesn't match with your vision of what you, I wish I had some folks in here. The, the person that they're dating, the person they're linked up with doesn't match with your vision of what you see them doing or what you see them becoming. But can you imagine God's frustration when we do the same thing? God says, I know where I'm taking you. And because I know where I'm taking you, this woman and this man, they don't fit into that story. I wish I would, you know, help me. This situation doesn't fit into your story. This job doesn't fit into where I'm taking you. But sometimes we get frustrated because we're praying for things that don't fit into where God is taking you. And what happens is God answers you when they drop you. God answered you when they stopped talking to you. God answered you when they stopped breaking up, when they broke up with you because you thought they dropped you. But no, God took them out of your story because he understands that they don't fit in where I'm taking I wish that. God answers us let me give you this God answers us by subtraction sometimes we think in subtraction that we lost something sometimes that person is exiting because God has written that into the script that's simply part of your story they don't go with you to the end and you thought they dropped you and you lost them. And sometimes God allows them to drop you so you'll be so offended you'll leave them alone. Because God gave you a chance. He was waiting on you to drop them. He kept showing you stuff. Like, mm, see this? Mm, you see that? He's giving you hints. He's like, I'm giving you a chance to drop them because if you don't drop them, I'm going to take them out of the story. And then when they leave you, you cry. And then if you have a good friend, a good friend will come along and say, baby, don't you remember they did this? And don't you remember they did that? And don't you remember they did this? Don't you remember God told you this and the prophet shared with you that? And you read this scripture and then all of a sudden you begin to see like, hold on. God was dropping me some hints. And giving me an opportunity to remove them from my story. But since I didn't do it, God's the one that cut them out and sent them to another city. All of a sudden, they didn't like you. And they don't want you. And they don't know what they want. And, and they're trying to figure themselves out. And it's not you, it's me. And come on in here now. God was excising them from your story because you didn't remove them when he was trying to tell you. So did... Did I lose anything if my story keeps going? I'm still here. Somebody say, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still on God's track. 
I'm still on God's path. So did I really lose anything? Because they're no longer part of my story. Maybe they fit in somebody else's story or maybe they need to pursue their own story, but they're just not part of my story. I didn't lose anything, but God clarified my path so that I can continue to walk in the direction that he has for me. God sent you an answer, but it didn't look like what you thought. But whatever it looks like, you need to keep on praying. Somebody say, keep on praying. So he said, he said, you need to always pray and not, and not lose heart. You need to continue to pray. And it says the widow, she continued. It said she was in a city and it says she kept coming and, and, and saying to him, give me justice for my adversary. And she kept coming. I, I believe she came on Monday morning. She came on Tuesday morning. On Wednesday morning, she came knocking before they even opened the office. I, y'all not going to hear me in here. Well, on Thursday morning, she was waiting for him on the outside before he even got to got in to get his coffee because she kept coming and saying, give me justice for my adversary. She kept on coming. I I, I can imagine she was there so much that the doorman knew who she was and and the secretary knew her by name. And and, and in fact, when she was getting ready to walk into the judge's office, he he recognized how she walked and knew that it was her coming one more time to ask of him for justice against her adversary. She was saying in her soul, she said, I'm not stopping until I receive what God told me. And, and that's how we need to pray. I'm going to keep on praying until I receive what God told me. Jacob put it this way when he was wrestling with the angel. I'm not going to let go until you bless my soul. I'm going to hold on in prayer until God gives me that which he's promised me, I'm going to keep on praying. Somebody say, keep on praying. And then after she continued, the judge says, you're beating me up. That's how the scripture says. He said in verse five, he said, yet because his widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. By her continued coming, he was feeling bruised and beat up because the woman just kept on coming and she kept after him to receive justice. And and at the end of her asking and and, and coming and and continuing in her pursuit, the the, the evil judge, the evil judge decided to give her justice because she kept on praying. Now, if the evil judge would do that, how much more will our God do that for us? Jesus said, Jesus said the wicked man will not give his son a serpent if he asks for a fish. Or he won't give him a stone if he asks for bread. So how much more will our heavenly father give unto them who ask for him? Those who ask from him, how much more will he give us what we need? He will not give us the opposite of that which we desire, but he will give it to us according to our need. She continued to pray, and then the Bible says, so will God not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Speedily. When I, when I began to look at this, and I, I, I was trying to examine the word that was used here. Now, Luke is not uh, unfamiliar with using the word, and I've told you before in the Greek, using the word immediately. And he, Luke likes to use that word, and you find it a couple of times in Mark as well. 
But the Greek word for immediately is parakrima. You find that in Luke 8 and 44 when he describes the woman with the issue of blood. She comes and it says when she grabbed a hold of his garment, it says parakrima. Immediately the blood flow, it stopped. But that's not the Greek word that Luke uses in this text. And I began to try to question and understand the difference that he was making. What was the distinction that he was making? He didn't use the word parakrima. He used the word takos. And the word takos means suddenly. And when I began to, I was trying to examine what was the difference between immediately and quickly and suddenly? What, what is he trying to say when he uses the word tacos instead of the word parakrama? Because a lot of us, we want parakrama. We want it immediately. Oh, come on, where my real folks are. I'm praying and I want, by the end of this prayer, by the time I say amen, come on, y'all. I want this to be done immediately. Parakrama, Lord, I need one of those blessings in my life. But that's not what the scripture is saying. This scripture is relating to the fact that sometimes we continue in prayer and we keep on praying and we keep on praying, but then Takos, suddenly we receive it. And when, when I begin to think about suddenly, I, I begin to think about the, 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 widow, the, the, the young women and, and, and the virgins and, and the oil. And some of the virgins, they, they brought the oil with them so that they'd, some extra oil, so that they'd be able to make it through the night. And then some of the virgins, the foolish ones, they didn't bring extra oil, so they didn't have enough to keep their lamps lit. So the problem was they, 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 they ran out of oil. And when they ran out of oil, they went to get some more oil. And then Tacos suddenly... The bridegroom came and arrived while they were out trying to get some more oil. So what I begin to understand from what, what, what the word was saying here is that it's not better Kramer. It's not immediately that you're going to receive this. But I want you to know it's Tycho's. Suddenly, God can arrange things and cause this to happen in your life. And the question are, baby, are you ready for God to move? Uh, Suddenly, uh, there's a lot of things that you asked for. There are a lot of things that you prayed for. But I, I'm wondering in the interim while you're praying, are you getting ready for God to move in your life? Because it doesn't take God long to move. God can move quickly. God can move tacos. God can move suddenly. And all of a sudden, everything that you prayed for can be knocking. Can be knocking at your door. Acts 12 and 5 says that while Peter was in prison, it says prayer was made without ceasing by the church under God for him. Uh, Peter might not have even been in a mindset to pray. <laughs> But somebody else was praying for him. I, I wish I had some folks in here. Peter might have been distraught by the fact that he got arrested. But it says that the, the Christians, the, the saints were praying for Peter. It said prayer was made without ceasing. Continuously prayer was being offered up to heaven on Peter's behalf. 
And then I'll tell you, while they were praying, it wasn't a paracrema blessing. Because while they were praying, God started arranging things in heaven. I believe that when they started praying, God spoke to an angel. And he said to the angel, yeah, you right there, I need you to go get Peter. And while they kept on praying, the, the angel descended from heaven and made his way to the jail. And it said when he walked in the jail that, 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 the, that the gatekeepers, the jail keepers were already asleep. He walks in there and he tells Peter, he said, I need you to get up. And it said when he told him to get up, and I want you to know that's how God works. He told him to get up. The shackles didn't fall off until he got up. I wish I... That's going to bless somebody later. The shackles didn't fall off until Peter got up. And some of you right now, you're sitting down shackled. You're sitting down bound. You're sitting down depressed. You're sitting down wrapped up. And what God is saying to you, he said you want the shackles to fall off. You want the chains to break up. He said all I need you to do, I need you to get up. And when you get up, the shackles will fall. When you get up, the chains will break up. When you get up, the anxiety is going to fall off. When you get up, the depression is going to cease. When you get up, the cancer is going to be dissolved. When you get up, the debt is going to work itself out. When you get up, I'm going to cause that job situation to work out. You're waiting on me. But God said, no. I'm waiting on you. I, I need you. I, I need you to get up. Pointed three people and said, God say, I, I need you to get up. Get up. So wild. While the chains were breaking, while the shackles were falling off, the people were still at the house and they kept on praying. Peter gets up, the shackles fall off. He starts walking out the gate. The gate opens immediately for Peter. It was like an automatic door at Walmart. Peter walked up to the door. The door was closed. The door was chained. The door was locked. But when Peter approached, the door swung open. I came to tell somebody, you need to get up and walk to the locked door. Walk to the chain door. Walk to the door. They said it wouldn't open. Because Jesus said in Revelation, he said, I've set open a door for you that nobody can shut. When you walk to the door, the door's going to be open. But while the door was open, the people were at home and they were still praying. Peter walks outside the jail. Peter's confused. He said, was that a dream? But he looks at his hands and the shackles aren't there. He looks behind him and the jail's in his rear view. I came to tell somebody, if you look where God brought you from, you'll realize that no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper because I already came too far for him to leave me right where I am. But while Peter 
still praying. So Peter started walking to the house where they were praying. He gets to the door of the house. He knocks on the door. The people who were praying came to the door. They opened the door and they look. They squint their eyes. It looks like Peter, but it can't be Peter. He just got locked up. He ought to still be in jail. But I came to tell you, while you're praying, God can cause that thing to tacos. Tacos is knocking at your door. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, the thing you've been praying for is Somebody say suddenly. Mm -hmm. Young folks will say, say it like the young folks say, it's suddenly for me. It's, it's the suddenly for me. I, I'm praising God because I believe there's going to be some suddenly in my life. Suddenly, what God has arranged is going to occur in my life going to occur. Sometimes the difference between Patacrema and Tacos is our readiness for what God is trying to do. I want you to know it was Patacrema for the widow but, but don't get it twisted. She's been praying for 12 years. Come on now. It, 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 was, it, was, it was immediately for her, but, but she'd been praying for a long time. She'd been suffering for a long time. But it's when she got in her heart. Like I told you, this woman set her own finish line. I dare you to have enough faith to draw your own finish line. This woman said, I know where my finish line is. She said, if I can just touch if I can but touch the hem of his garment I shall be not I might be not I will be not one day I'll get on a journey where I'll no I shall be made whole shall be made whole and maybe while we're praying God is arranging things so that our mind gets ready for our suddenly so that our heart gets prepared for what he can do quickly he's not we're, we're not waiting on him God is waiting on me and maybe the difference between my Kramer blessing and my tacos blessing is me maybe I need to be at a point of readiness so that when I pray, the Bible says, 
pray believing and you shall receive. Sometimes we pray just hoping. I'm praying, I hope maybe one day that's going to happen. But when you pray with that immediate faith that I'm believing that God's going to do this right now, there are other things that he has to arrange in you. Sometimes he has to get you ready. Sometimes you're praying for things and the reason it hasn't happened is not that you're not ready, but the other person involved is not ready. Some of the theologians in this text said, because God loves all of us, all of us belong to him, even those who don't believe. The text says that maybe it took a while for the widow to receive her justice because God was trying to work on something with her adversary. Maybe she was giving her adversary an opportunity to get their life right. He was dropping hints in their life that they weren't taking and trying to give them a chance to come to him to do the right thing. He was trying to arrange things on their behalf so the widow was waiting because God loved the adversary too. He was trying to change the adversary's heart. He was trying to let them have an opportunity to do the right thing. And sometimes it may not be us, but maybe they're not ready. You need an example? Sometimes maybe you're ready to be a wife, but maybe the person that God has intended for you as a husband, maybe they're not ready. I wish I had some real folks in here. They, they, they boyfriend ready, but they're not husband ready. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. I told you, don't be trying to pull something out of somebody that's not in them. They, they boyfriend level, that's all they got. They giving you all they have. When you talk to them about commitment and all those other things, they, it's like they get confused. <laughs> because they're not ready yet. They're not there yet. And maybe some of the things that we're praying for, God is giving the other person an opportunity to get ready. Well, let me tell you something. But when, when, when God gets it ready, I wish I were helping. When God gets it ready, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. When God gets it ready, I wish I had help here. Some of y'all dated enough people to know that they, the wrong one helped you recognize the right one. Like, no, that, that is not it. <laughs> It took me a couple dates to figure it out. (laughs) Don't talk to me. That's not it. But God is preparing that thing. But what I need you to do is you need to be ready. Somebody look at somebody and say, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You need to be prepared. Because when God moves, God can move tacos. God can move suddenly. Someone give God some praise for suddenly right there. Praise God for suddenly. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word that comes to pierce our heart, Lord, to instruct our heart in the way that it should go. Lord, let us be always in a posture of prayer that we ought to always pray and not lose heart. Remind us to continue to pray even when I, what we see, what we perceive doesn't even look like what we expected. Lord, even sometimes you answer us in ways that we don't detect. But Lord, that should not keep us from continuing to pray. 
And Lord, at all times, let us be reminded, Lord, we're not waiting on you, but you're waiting on us. Help our hearts and minds be prepared for the sudden move of God in our lives. And we thank you in advance for, Lord, that which you're going to do suddenly in our lives. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you. And we pray a suddenly blessing in your life, even right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on. pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.